When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 130 of the Talk is Cheap podcast. I'm Matt Lombardo alongside my beat writer cohort, Ryan Dunleavy of NJ.com. And uh, a nice, quiet week leading into the Hmm. exhibition finale against the New England Patriots on Thursday night. Ryan, don't you think? Yeah, it was a... Just when they we were not able to write about practice anymore, and you and I were like, "What's going to happen to sights and sounds? Uh, what are we going to do in place of that?" Well, they gave us 700 Odell stories to write, so uh, it was certainly quiet. No, there's as I'm learning, there's not a quiet day around the Giants. <laughs> Never on an NFL beat, that's for sure. And of course, the news of the week, as Ryan alluded to, Odell Beckham Jr. finally signs his long-term contract. It's a five-year extension. Upwards of $95 million, but it's really a $90 million deal because of what he would need to do to hit the escalators to trigger that extra $5 million. Up to $41 million guaranteed, $20 million signing bonus. Ryan, by every metric, Odell Beckham Jr. is now the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, whether you go by yearly average, total contract value, annual guarantees, and total guaranteed money. Uh, I spoke to Joel Corey. I know that you reached out to him and had a conversation as well. Um, This is what he's called a win-win for both the Giants and Odell Beckham's camp. The Giants get Odell Beckham Jr. signed and happy before the regular season, and Beckham checks all of the boxes and comes close to making $100 bucks. Yeah, it's almost like we all have been speculating on this deal for a year, and everybody wrote like five years, 95, 590, 500. So it's almost like... If we all knew this is what was going to take to get it done, how come it took so long? Um, I heard a couple people say yesterday that it went smooth. I don't know that it went smooth. I mean, I guess it it sped up here in the last month, but certainly was not a smooth ride to this point, I didn't think. Uh, But, yep, everybody's – it feels like a win-win in that regard. Uh, The Giants have him locked up. Beckham has life-changing money. Uh, For me, I think the big deal is – the Giants were always going to make him the highest paid wide receiver. Uh, they got they got there in a couple different regards. And uh, John Mara, basically, to me, I thought was interesting. John Mara still isn't sure that Odell Beckham isn't going to, to and this is his word, not mine, embarrass the Giants. He said uh, Beckham's an emotional guy. He Obviously, we've seen him get triggered by Josh, uh, Josh Norman, by... 
the loss to the Packers in the playoffs and the, the dog peeing celebration. We've seen a lot of that. And Odell says he's a new guy and the ankle injury. This was another thing I thought was interesting. Odell said the ankle injury wasn't the best thing that's ever happened to him in his life, but offered the perspective he needed. It was just what he needed in his life. It's yep. sound. You want to buy that. If you're a giants fan, John Mara wants to buy that. He certainly he basically did buy that for $90 million. Uh, but it'll be interesting, especially since Jalen Ramsey already, Already seems to be on Twitter goading uh, Odell Beckham. It'll be interesting if he gets in his head how Odell handles that. Yeah, that's going to be a, a monster matchup on week one, September 9th against the Jaguars. A couple things here in terms of Odell Beckham's perspective. I remember when he spoke for the first time during training camp and talked about the fact that he couldn't even pull himself out of bed, couldn't even walk on that ankle, and that it really changed his perspective on things, and he fell in love with what he always loved, which was football. We'll see uh, if the ball doesn't come his way or if Jalen Ramsey holds him to three catches for 43 yards in the opener uh, just how long this new Odell Beckham Jr. sticks around but talking to all of his teammates throughout the course of the spring and summer Ryan they all talked about what a leader he is how valuable he is on the practice field around the building what it meant for him to come in and just be around them given the fact that he was still rehabbing that injury given the fact that at that point he hadn't had the new deal and I think that one person who I don't know has gotten enough credit through this breaking news is Pat Shermer. I mean, you just talk about from day one when Pat Shermer was hired as the Giants head coach back in January. He's talked about this from time to time. It's been written about in several different places, including on NJ.com. The relationship that he forged with Odell Beckham Jr. right away drew that connection. It realized that, you know, this is the key player on this roster. This is our superstar. Got him to buy in. Got him to come to the voluntary OTAs, got him to come to mandatory minicamp, got him on the field for training camp, worked out a deal that if you give me your all during practice, we won't play you in the preseason games. And here we are with this deal coming together. I think that Pat Shermer deserves a lot of credit for the Giants and Beckham coming this far and getting this deal done. I do, too. And I think Beckham deserves a lot of credit because the more I learn about the NFL and the more I see these guys like Le'Veon Bell is going to show up now for the season opener. So that's two years in a row where he just punted on training camp because he's uh, not happy with his contract or Earl Thomas demanding a trade or Khalil Mack sitting out or Aaron Donald sitting out. Odell Beckham's just as good as these guys. He's in that level with Khalil yep. Mack, Aaron Donald. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, he's one of the top 10 players in the NFL. And he did the exact opposite. He said, nope, I'm showing up. I'm going to work. I'm going to take a calculated risk. I'm going to. And you know what? The Giants need that. The Giants are a franchise that they don't really put up with. Uh, that kind of, you know, ego or selfishness or whatever you would say. And I'm with the player on this because yep. here's the stunning stat, Matt. I saw this. Somebody tweeted this. I wish I could remember who to give credit. I apologize, whoever it was. Even with this contract, Odell Beckham gets less guaranteed money than Yankees bust Jacoby Ellsbury yep. or than Knicks bust Joakim Noah. So when you think about that, that is mind-blowing to me that – uh, NFL no guaranteed money in the NFL. So to never blame an NFL player for wanting money, never, because they're playing a much more dangerous game. And Odell Beckham, a top 10 player, is getting less money than guys who haven't who are basically huge bombs in their sport. Uh, so, yes, the fact that Odell came and put his ankle at risk and uh, 
worked as hard as he did on things like special teams and blocking. He deserved his payday. No, I totally agree. And I spoke at length with Nate Burleson of the NFL Network and the NFL on CBS yesterday, and he played 12 years in the league for the Minnesota Vikings, Detroit Lions, and the Seattle Seahawks. And he basically explained to me that this contract and the way that it was negotiated and the figure, the $90 million uh, that Beckham is likely to collect over the life of this deal – it changes the landscape of the NFL, and not just because of the financial ramifications, not just because you're paying a wide receiver in the stratosphere of quarterback money, but Odell Beckham is a guy who he's on the cover of GQ, he's in TMZ, he's hanging out with Drake, he's in that elite upper echelon of celebrity athlete with Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Everybody knows him. 3.7 million Twitter followers, over 11 million Instagram followers. There's value there. He drives the conversation. He drives people to buy tickets, purchase jerseys, click on the website, read stories, watch videos. And I think you're going to start to see once Julio Jones's next deal comes up, once Le'Veon Bell finally gets signed, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster is now in the mold of Michael Odell Thomas. Beckham, Michael Thomas, all of these guys that have crafted a following outside of the football field, they're going to be able to cash in now as Beckham did because of the value that they bring to that franchise. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I I, I think there's something to that, to his, uh, I don't know, marketability or pop culture sensation. And there was an excellent piece on ESPN this week about how the catch against the Cowboys changed Odell's life in 2014. A team hired a private investigator to follow this guy around. I mean, I'm actually surprised NJ.com didn't think of that. I'm actually surprised. Yeah. I'm actually surprised. <laughs> I, I don't know that I, that's in the budget. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So let's let's tackle this deal piece by piece, Ryan. And let's start with this. Um, we've talked about what it means for Odell and what he brings to the Giants, both on and off the field. We've talked about where it puts him in the stratosphere of NFL players and athletes. What's it mean for the Giants? What, what do the Giants get here other than, in my opinion, locking up your most dynamic offensive weapon and keeping him happy without the lingering contact contract negotiations looming over the start of the season? What else do the Giants get here? What's I the mean, I think you nailed it. I think that's what they get. I think they get the best receiver in the NFL, under contract, motivated. I don't see him becoming a Muhammad Wilkerson type where he gets paid and then quits, basically. Uh, I think they'll get, you know, they locked up a piece to what could be the most explosive offense in the NFL. Certainly with the most explosive young offense in the NFL with Ingram, Shepard, Barkley, and uh, Beckham. So uh, I think it's really that simple. I think that's what they get. They get a elite generational talent with uh, under contract, happy and no distractions in a locker room that doesn't need any. What about the cap ramifications? Because you look at this breakdown here and you hear the numbers, $90 million total up to 95, between 20 and 41 million guaranteed. Um, but when you look at the cap ramifications, the Giants are going to have to extend Landon Collins or use the franchise tag on him. They're going to have to eventually figure out what they're going to do at quarterback beyond Eli Manning. And if they wind up drafting one in the first or second round next year, that kind of takes care of itself because you would then be 
be paying a quarterback on the rookie wage scale. But to me, Ryan, if you're going to extend Landon Collins, you do it sooner rather than later now that you've dropped Odell's cap number down and you can kind of finagle a Landon Collins signing bonus into the cap space that you've created. Whereas if you wait too long into the life of this deal, I think it's going to be more difficult to get a long-term contract signed with Landon Collins having this Beckham contract on the books. I think you nailed it there with Landon Collins. I agree. They could franchise tag Landon Collins. That's the other thing. They could do that. But Landon Collins is going to get $11 million in a franchise tag or 12 or 13 in a long-term contract. That's kind of pinching pennies. Either way, he's about to get $10 million more than he's making per year. Yep. Uh, and here's, to- the, here's the issue with that, though, real quick. Um, if you franchise him and you pay him one year $13 million, that's $13 million against the cap that year. Yeah. So everybody talks about I know that a, a lot of other reporters have tweeted about the fact that they can franchise Landon Collins. That's a heavy cap hit for one season, and and the Giants don't exactly have oodles and oodles of cap space piled up. Well, that that takes me – that's a nice segue there, Matt, because that takes me into – I did a deep dive into the Giants' 2019 cap, and obviously I wrote it, so I suggest people read it. But um, it really – it looks at it this way. In 2019, the Giants have Eli Manning on the books for $23 cap hit. Uh, Olivier Vernon for 19 million, Beckham for 21 million, Nate Solder for 17 million, and then possibly Landon Collins for 11, 12, or 13 million. So that's four guys above 17 million, 17 million dollars or above. This year in 2018, only two NFL teams have players. $17 million or above. Now, of course, salaries go up every year and Cap hits go every year up every year, and the salary cap itself goes up every year. But even next year in 2019, there's only one team other than the Giants with three guys above $17 million. It's the Broncos. Well, the Giants have three. Uh, the, excuse me, the Giants have four. The Giants have four. Yeah. So this yeah. year, there's only this year there's only three teams with two guys. Nobody has three. Nobody has four. Next year, the Giants are going to have four guys plus Landy Collins. To me, that says you got to make a decision on Eli Manning. You got to go to Eli Manning and say you either got to take a pay cut or we got to restructure your deal with some sort of extension or the thing they don't want to do, which they're going to eventually have to do, say bye bye to Eli Manning and bring and have Davis Webb or some other rookie or Kyle Aletta be your quarterback and there's your cap savings. Just that's why teams like we've been through this. We went through this over the draft. That's why teams draft with. Carson Wentz at quarterback or Dak Prescott at quarterback or um, other young guys around the NFL, Pat Mahomes. That's why the Chiefs can have Watkins and Justin, uh, not Sammy Watkins and Justin Houston Uh, off with the Rams. He can go on an offseason spending spree and build around him because he's on rookie wage scale. And and, and here's the thing with Eli Manning, they, they can go to him and structure that contract so that the bulk of it becomes a signing bonus. They can extend him. But I think that, Depending on how this year plays out, if they don't wind up making the postseason, they're going to have to play Davis Webb late in the regular season to evaluate him to see if he's capable of being that next guy. Because you pointed out, Ryan, it's just not feasible to extend Eli Manning out two, three years at, at, at regular con- you know, quarterback salary no, with all this it. money you have on the books. Can't do it. So I think a side collateral damage to Odell Beckham's contract is Eli Manning's future timeline just got sped up faster than the Giants really wanted it to. But Odell Beckham's going to be on the 53-man roster. Do we agree with that? 
We do agree with that. He's going to be one of the most dynamic players there, but there are going to be 52 other players and there are going to be upwards of, uh, I believe, 35 players cut between the end of Thursday night's game, likely sometime Friday and 4 p.m. Saturday, which is the deadline for teams to get down to 53 players. And Ryan, I have a a complete breakdown of who's currently on the 90-man roster in terms of uh, who's on the bubble, who's a long shot, who's a wild card that might or might not make it or could be trade bait, and who's a lock. And going into Thursday night's game, I have 40 locks 40 players that I think are locked into the roster. And that means, which, which isn't that high, actually, no. when you consider it, that that tells me 13 spots up for grabs. Yep. I bet you most NFL teams have more than that. Yep. And, and I think that, you know, some of those guys might be in the wild card category. Some of them might be on the bubble. And we have some spots on this roster where you can see multiple guys competing for one job that still remains open, backup free safety at cornerback, some depth spots along the offensive line, uh, maybe running back. So, Ryan, give me the couple of the positions that you think this could come down to the wire in terms of the Giants still making a decision as of Saturday afternoon. I think the two biggest positions, and this is not a coincidence, the two biggest positions where I think it'll go down to the wire are the two biggest positions I've said on this podcast and written a hundred times are my biggest concerns for this team, which are offensive tackle. I don't think the third offensive tackle is on the roster. Uh, I think Chad Wheeler will make the roster, but I think he'll probably be as the fourth offensive tackle. I don't think the third offensive tackle is on the roster yet, so uh, that is somewhere so you're thinking think, there could be a trade uh, a trade waiver wide the giants are number two on the waiver wire priority list i'm thinking that something you know if maybe at four o'clock they have somebody on the roster who isn't on the roster the next morning after a waiver claim i'm thinking there's some offensive tackle is a position where i think you know won't be decided you know saturday at four o'clock and then cornerback it's a position where i think they prob they might not make a waiver wire pickup though and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this on nj.com on nj advanced media with all we do covering uh the nfl the giants and high schools jason mccordy from the patriots a guy who could get cut after they just traded for him so he could finally play with his brother. As good a guy in, as there is in all of the NFL, Jason McCourty, finally gets to play with his brother on the Patriots. And there's you know speculation that he could be cut. He could fit the Giants. Cornerback's uh, a position I'll be looking at pre, uh, for Thursday night against the Patriots and then the next two days afterwards because I think – we could say Leonard Johnson. We could say B.W. Webb is probably locked in as the third cornerback behind Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple. So who are the fourth or fifth cornerbacks? Leonard Johnson, Dante Dion, William Gay, uh, Grant I think Hale. Gay at this point is more of a safety than, than a cornerback. I think that the Giants view him he, as a safety. But he, but he has some versatility. So maybe right. if, you count, if you put him as a safety, maybe you only take – Maybe you take one less corner, or if you count him as a corner, maybe you take one less. It may he may yeah. be a guy when you're doing corner and safety, Matt. That maybe you take one less defensive back because you count him twice. Yep, I think they wind up keeping ten defensive backs, and I think that you That's could high. easily see that broken down. Eagles kept ten last year, and I know yeah. that some teams wind up keeping ten. Um, I, I have them taking one fewer offensive lineman. I have them taking eight on my fifty-three. Uh, that could always change, but I think that there's so much 
value in terms of younger players on the roster in the secondary that you can develop. And there's so much uncertainty about the offensive line. And, and I'll give you one wild card position to look for in terms of a, um, a, a wire claim. I don't know that quality offensive linemen sneak through the waiver wire. I think that if you have an offensive tackle who you're comfortable with, you're going to keep him on your team and you're going to see a, a bunch of uh, Chad Wheeler types hit the waiver wire or guys worse than Chad Wheeler, like Nick Becton and those type of guys. Uh, I think running back is a position where you could see the Giants potentially make a waiver claim. I know you invested in Saquon Barkley with the number two pick, but you've gotten absolutely nothing out of Jonathan Stewart and you're paying him $3.9 million, $3.23 million um, against the cap this year. Wayne Gallman, I think, is locked in. But beyond that, you're basically looking at uh, Robert Martin, an undrafted rookie free agent, Jarrell Presley, Jalen Simmons, who suffered a concussion against the Lions. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a serviceable young running back with maybe a year or two of experience that the Giants um, can get on the waiver wire who would be an upgrade over somebody like Presley, Simmons, or Martin. That's just one position that I'll be keeping an eye on. But as far as secondary goes, uh, I think— Well, hold on. Hold on. You hit on something interesting. So I'm going to ask you, because I think you and I might have different opinions, and this is a hot topic right now among Giants fans, and we've certainly covered it. We've been at the forefront of covering it. Uh, We first guessed it. Jonathan Stewart, on the roster or not on the roster? See, to me, this goes one of two ways, Ryan. It's either how I would build the roster. Well, I mean, you tell. Well, I mean, I, I think I know your opinion. So, what do you think? Should he make the roster? My, my, my opinion, he shouldn't make the roster, and I think should that you not. Can, should not because I think that you cost yourself more in in keeping him on the roster at three point nine million dollars and a roster spot where he's not going to contribute. Whereas if you eat the $3.2 million dead cap hit, you might be able to keep an extra offensive lineman. You might be able to keep an extra wide receiver. You might not be able to keep an extra cornerback. So in my opinion, based on everything we've seen from the spring up until the preseason where he has 10 rushes for negative five yards, I don't think Jonathan Stewart should be on the, it's terrific. Put him in the hall of fame, give him a gold jacket. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take the counterpoint, Matt. I'll take the counter. I think he should be on the roster. Uh, Saquon Barkley's never going to come off the field, uh, assuming he's healthy. You're looking at 340 touches. So I don't really know what the backup running back is on this team. And if Saquon Barkley gets hurt, Wayne Gallman's your primary running back, not Jonathan Stewart. So I don't feel more comfortable with Gallman over Stewart. Yeah, I, I think they do, too. I think that's pretty obvious that they do, too. I mean, they throw him the ball. They run him. They run with him. Shermer raves about how much improvement he's made since uh, he first got here. So I don't think Jonathan Stewart is ever going to be the Giants, you know, starting running back. It's either Barkley or if catastrophe strikes, it's Gallman. So I don't know what that role is for really what would be the third running back on the Giants. So, I so, think- you're, so you're essentially paying a... Leader. Running backs coach on the field, $3.9 million, 3.2 against the cap, right? Correct. That's what I think they're doing. And look, I think we've both been around enough professional sports, enough college sports, enough sports in high school sports. Coaches, GMs, executives do not like to admit that they made a mistake. Even if we all see it plain as day that they made a mistake. Cutting Jonathan Stewart is ad- and wasting $3.2 million in cap space is admitting, wow, we screwed this up, and I just don't see them do it. They'll, they'll let us say it, but they're not going to prove that we're right by cutting him. All right, so 
again, I just I disagree there only because I think that you can use the roster spot, which is more valuable than the three point two million dollars in cap space. Yeah, uh, I think I just think these people who run these organizations and this isn't giant specific. I think right. people who run these organizations and make these decisions are just too stubborn. All right. So, Ryan, give me one player who you think that you'll be surprised winds up on the roster and one player who you think could be a surprise roster cut um, come Saturday afternoon. Ooh, that's a that's a good one. I think Andrew Adams is my surprise roster cut. Uh, He was a starter in 2016. He played the most special team snaps in 2017 on the Giants. He's been a contributor. pretty steady contributor to this team for two years and I think he's just gotten buried the safety depth charts upside down uh, six weeks ago you and I were talking about Darian Thompson versus Andrew Adams at safety and there's a chance I don't think it'll happen but there's a chance both guys could get cut yeah. and the, those are the guys we thought were the starters um so uh, with the way Michael Thomas has played and William Gay's position change and uh, Curtis Riley taking over as the starter um, and Landon Collins, obviously, at one safety, I, I think somehow Adams and Thompson have been squeezed to the bottom. Thompson's been injured pretty much all of training, camp, at least the second half of training camp. So I think they'll go with him just as a former third round draft pick, as a guy who started last year. And I think they'll bump Adams off the roster. Uh, that would be my surprise. Doesn't make it. And then my surprise makes it. I'll say Tay Davis. Uh, I don't wow. know if the, uh, I don't know if the Giants have a. I don't know if the Giants. Have, the problem is the Giants are good at linebacker. I'm not sure how that happened. Like it's been bad for years at linebacker, and now all of a sudden they have eight or eight linebackers. You're talking. Barwin, Ogletree, Goodson, Kareem Martin, Connor Barwin, Her- Herzlick, uh, um, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Olivier Vernon, uh, uh, Lorenzo Carter. They're, all of a sudden, they're loaded at linebacker. So for Tay Davis to make it, he'd end up being like either bumping Herzlick as the eighth or being the ninth linebacker. But he's on a lot of starting special teams, so he's an interesting guy. And if he doesn't make it because of positional, I'll – Okay, I'll go opposite you and say you said they're looking for a running back on waivers. I'll say Robert Martin, the Rutgers product, uh, could squeeze on. It. I think he'll be waiting 3.30 Saturday to see if his phone rings right to the wire because I think he could squeeze on as the fourth running back. All right, I'm going to give you – I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. I'm going to give you one guy I think that could be a surprise off the roster and one guy who I think could be traded before Saturday at 4 o'clock. The guy who I think is a surprise off the roster is William Gay. Um, I, I've watched William Gay since the Giants brought him in. He just doesn't have the speed to play cornerback anymore. I think that he's just a guy that you can shake a tree and a guy like William Gay at this stage of his career falls out of. I, I don't know um, what he brings you that somebody like Andrew – Adams doesn't, who can contribute on special teams, as you pointed out, has started 12 games under the previous regime, tremendous in coverage, led the Giants in tackles against the Browns. I think Adams makes it over William Gay. And I think that John Jerry is a guy that could get traded before Saturday. He's probably the third or fourth best offensive tackle on this roster at this moment, but when you, or guard rather, but when you traded away uh, Brett Jones, Now, all of a sudden, that creates opportunity for some of the younger guards on your roster to step up who happen to be cheaper. And Jerry's a guy who's going to count um, a dead cap 
2.5 million against the the cap, 3.6 million dollar cap hit. He's the type of guy that if you cut him, he's going to get claimed and he's the type of guy who's probably just good enough that teams might want to get a crack at him before having to wait out the waiter, waiver claim process. So, I think the Giants might be able to free up some cap space by trading John Jerry before Saturday. Let's uh a couple things. We glo- you just hit on the Brett Jones trade and we kind of there's so much happened this week we kind of forgot about it. Uh but I want to make a point here. The Giants let go of Brett Jones who was at by trading him to the Vikings for a 7th round pick, which was in all moves a smart move because if you're not going to cut him, they got something for him. But Brett Jones was at worst the sixth best Giants offensive lineman. At worst, you could make a case he might be five. Um, But he was the second team center after starting 13 games last year. And really, this was a financial move because the Giants needed uh, cap space. They were only team in the NFL earlier this week with under a million dollars in cap space. Uh, Brett Jones had a $2.9 million contract as a restricted free agent re-signing. None of it in dead cap. So, to explain to people, dead cap is the money that even if a guy isn't on your roster, you have to it counts against your salary cap. So you mentioned John Jerry, his cap hits three point six million dollars. If the Giants cut him, they really only save one million dollars because he counts against the cap two and a half million dollars either way. Brett Jones was the r- rare player who two point nine million dollars, all of it comes off the books if he's not on your team. So they traded him and lost their sixth best offensive lineman. Why? Because of that Jonathan Stewart signing. If they didn't have Jonathan Stewart basically cost you Brett Jones because you have Jonathan Stewart at three point nine million dollars. You could not afford Brett Jones at two point nine million dollars. I think that's um, I think that's interesting. And then just to touch on just to play devil's advocate. And I'm not saying I don't have inside information here. I don't know William Gay's on the roster and Andrew Adams isn't. But you said you asked rhetorically and I'll be the rhetoric here. Um, what does William, you don't know what William Gay offers you that Andrew Adams doesn't. Well, like I said earlier, I think it's, and he hasn't practiced much that corner in training camp. You're right. He's been, they've locked him in as a safety, but it's 11 years of cornerback experience and nickel experience. I think that's what they offer him. A guy, a guy who can count as two spots instead of just one Andrew Adams is safety, but yep. Andrew Adams plays special teams and William Gay doesn't. And that's what, Correct. and if you, and if you, you're listening and saying, wow, Matt and Ryan are really nitpicking the hell out of this thing. Well, that's what Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman have to do. So that's what and this, this, this is, this is, the conversations that coaches have. What do you value on special teams? What versatility do you bring? Michael Thomas is also a guy that can drop into the nickel from time to time. And I think that if you're bringing BW Webb as your nickel corner, uh, I think that that sort of makes William Gay expendable, but we'll see. I'm just saying that he's probably a guy that if he got cut on Saturday, it would be a mild surprise to some people if he was on the waiver wire. Matt, why don't you tell people, because you've covered the NFL, and I actually put my feet up and listen too. How does cut day work? Like, is it just one day? Is it one of those? I covered minor league baseball for a long time. And the thing was, like, at the end of spring training, you went back to your locker and you hoped there wasn't a pink slip in your locker. And if there wasn't, you just got on the first flight and flew north. Uh, So uh, is there an actual pink slip in your locker? Do you get a phone call that you're cut? Do you get a phone call if you make the team? You get a phone call either way. Do you show up at the facility and – 
make yourself present in case they need you. Do you stay the hell away? So hopefully they lost my phone number and can't call me that they, <laughs> that I got cut. How does this work, actually? Yeah, Ryan, it's really evolved from back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s when teams would go away for training camp and they'd be staying on college campuses, sleeping in dorm rooms, and they the team would appoint one of their personnel people or maybe even equipment managers, the quote-unquote Turk, and the Turk would knock on the door of each dorm room and he'd say, Ryan Dunleavy, coach wants to see you, bring your playbook, and you knew, you knew right then and there you were done. So that's how it used to be done. Now, um, with teams basically basically breaking training camp before the third preseason game, most of them not staying in dorm rooms, not staying in hotel rooms this late into the game. Um, they'll basically have guys that are in the facility. They might be working out or like you said, they'll call them on their cell phone, but the message is the same. Hey, you know, coach Sherman wants to see you bring your iPad. So if you get that phone call, you know, it's going to be bad news. And typically they'll have to go into the facility. They'll have to clean out their locker, pack, their belongings and you know out they go talk to their agent try to find another landing spot if they didn't make um, this team that they were in training camp for but it's really not just a 12 hour 24 hour cutdown period because sometimes and this happened last year teams will start to cut players Friday, the day after the final preseason game. And typically that's where you'll cut some of your veteran players who you think might have a chance to latch on somewhere else if they spend more time on the waiver wire, kind of gets them a little bit of a head start. So um, doing them a favor, basically. Correct. Get their name out there a day before. But the hard deadline is 4 p.m. on Saturday. The teams have to be under the roster limit of 53 players. And then um, the guys who've been cut, they go through a 24 hour waiver period and teams can put in a waiver claim that is basically the same order as the NFL draft. It's inverse of the previous year's standings. And if you put in a claim and you get a guy, he's now on your roster. Um, And in addition to the 53, you can set a 10-man practice squad. And the practice squad is made up of 10 players with two years or less accrued NFL service. Um, they, They can practice with you. They can be in team meetings. They can be in the locker room. But they're not eligible to dress as one of your 45 active players on game day. So that's your practice squad. And you can pick and choose players off of other teams' practice squads. But once you bring them onto your 53, they have to count to your 53 the rest of the year. You can't bump those guys down that you picked up off another team's practice squad and put them on your practice squad because that would just be stashing a player. But that's basically how it works, both going into this weekend and for the rest of the year. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I just think that uh, if you're a young guy, t- I don't know, turn off your phone call. F- turn off your phone at like 3:45 on Saturday. <laughs> the interesting story: Giants fans might remember you and I weren't covering the beat, but I guess it's a pretty uh, well-known story around the Giants. Is last year. Dante Dion, a guy who I think is going to make the team this year, even though he missed a lot of training camp. I think he's going to make the team as a cornerback. Uh, Last year, around 350, he pretty much thought he had made the team and people were writing he had made the team. And then right before the four o'clock deadline, the Giants did one of those trades you're talking about where they got Ross Cockrell from the Steelers. Ross Cockrell actually ended up being the Giants best cornerback last year and signed with the Panthers in free agency this year. Um, they traded for Ross Cockrell and it bumped Dante Dion off the uh, 53-man roster into the practice squad. So there's some possibility for heartbreak between 3.30 and 4 o'clock when both you and I would rather be watching college football, I think. Correct. 
<laughs> yeah. Nittany Lions kick off at 3.30 p.m. When, when do the Knights? The Knights are on uh, Saturday they at Texas, noon? They play Texas State, but I don't, I don't know what time. I don't know what time. Check NJ.com slash Rutgers. I'm sure, sure Cratch and Sarge are all over it. I'm sure they will be there watching uh, Rutgers take on uh, Texas State. And what would they call that? The the war before the shore, they're calling that yeah, game. They, yeah, they, yeah. Rutgers does a lot of creative things to try to get people in the seats. Yeah, they, they're not like Penn State where, you know, they try to uh, – Penn State fans will literally run you over to get into those uh, to get into those seats. Yep, should be a fun college football season. Should be a fun NFL season. And and Ryan, this is it. Thursday night preseason finale, and then it counts for real. And it's a big game right out of the shoot for the Giants against the Jaguars next week, week one. We'll break it down uh, on the podcast. We'll break down the roster on the website. A lot of storylines in that game, Matt. Coughlin, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Patrick O'Connor. Eli, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there were some whispers early on that Eli might have been on the move via trade to the Jaguars way, way back at the start yeah, yeah. of the offseason. Tiki Barber going to be in the booth uh, with Tom Coughlin, uh, you know, in the press box for the Jaguars. Obviously, they have some history. A uh, lot, a lot, a lot of storylines there next week. Yep, it should be a lot of fun and just get through this final preseason game, get through roster cutdowns. We'll be back with you next week to pre recap how the cuts went, break down and preview the game ahead. And if you like what you heard here on the podcast, we'd love if you subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Speaker, Stritcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. And please leave us a five-star review with your comments in, on iTunes and the Apple Podcast Store. Helps grow the show, helps us know what we can do better or what you're really enjoying. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. He's at R.Y. Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Ryan, any parting shots? You're going to have to change. If you're ever not covering the NFL, if you're covering like the NHL or something, you're going to have to change that Twitter. And that's not easy to do, Matt. Matt Lombardo NHL. What do you think? <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Uh, I've already had to change it from a previous beat a couple of different times. Oh, yeah, so it's not I, easy. I, Twitter I, doesn't make that easy on you. I, I better stick with the NFL for a while. How about uh, that? Guess, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. He's Ryan Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week right here on the Talk is Cheap podcast on NJ.com. Come